Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley has left to take the defensive coordinator position with the NFL's Green Bay Packers. And this might not directly affect South Carolina right now, but it very well could in the future. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I'm Andrew Line, the host of this podcast and also a staff writer for Gamecock Digest over on Fan Nation. Thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more as new customers can join today and get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. There was some intriguing news that came out in the college football world just a day or two ago as Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley is leaving the position to take the defensive coordinator role with the NFL's Green Bay Packers. Now, I know what some South Carolina football fans might be thinking here. Andrew, why are you bringing this up? This has nothing to do with the Gamecocks. This is all the way up in the Northeast, in the ACC. Has no effect on South Carolina. And sure, right now, that might indeed be the case, but... You should not just brush this recent piece of news aside. You need to note this moving forward because Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College for Green Bay in the NFL is a sign of potentially what's to come in the sport of college football. Jeff Halfley, the reason that he reportedly left this job with Boston College is because of the way that the sport is currently set up with the transfer portal and NIL and how basically a lot of these players, they can just stay at one spot for one year and then hit the portal, go somewhere else, then hit the portal, go somewhere else again. There's a lot of instability with this sport right now. And I know that it does not take a rocket scientist to come to that conclusion, but We hadn't really seen this affect head coaches as far as, you know, coaches making decisions to leave this sport altogether. Sure, you've seen maybe some assistant coaches sort of step back and uh, spend more time with their family over the past couple years, like Matt Luke, who's now the offensive line coach for the Clemson Tigers in the upstate. But you're going to start seeing this happen a lot more. And with some of the dominoes that could fall in the next few years, This could wind up either helping or hurting or maybe doing both when it comes to South Carolina's football program. Here's how this could help South Carolina. Some big-time coaches in the SEC right now, and I'm talking mainly head coaches, so Georgia's Kirby Smart, Texas's Steve Sarkeesian. We have to start saying that because the Longhorns will be in the SEC this coming summer. That's when they'll become a member. LSU's Brian Kelly. and maybe. Texas A&M's Mike Elko, if he is successful. All four of those coaches are coaches that have won at a high level at a particular school as a head coach. And I could see 
any of those four guys, to varying degrees, but I could see all four of them. If they do well enough in the next couple years, a couple of them obviously are already established, I could see those guys moving on to the NFL. I think almost all of them, maybe outside of Mike Elko, would get head coaching positions in the NFL if they showed enough interest. So you could see some of those coaches leave, and that would therefore help South Carolina. And I know that some of y'all might sit there and say, that's loser's mentality. You know, South Carolina should want to face some of the best of the best. And I do agree with that sentiment to a certain point. But South Carolina, you cannot deny, if they did not have to face Kirby Smart at Georgia every single year, every two years, I should say, now moving forward, that would help them in terms of their quest to try and climb up the hierarchy of the SEC when it comes to the football field. Now, at the same time, this potential new trend of coaches leaving college football and either just taking a step back altogether or moving on to the NFL, that could eventually hurt South Carolina. Assistant coaches, mainly, they could decide that they want to move on either way. That would make staff stability a lot harder to achieve if you are head coach Shane Beamer. That could also, therefore, create more roster instability because, let's be honest, a lot of these football players, sure, some of them go to a particular program because they want to play for said school. But I think, as we've all learned, especially over the past couple years, for the most part, a lot of these players they are committed to a certain coach. They're committed to either the head coach, they're committed to maybe their position coach, or they're committed to both. That is usually the case as far as the decision-making process is concerned with these kids coming out of high school. Obviously now, there are other factors that are at play. You know, playing time, NIL opportunities, but having a relationship with those coaches is still just as important as everything else that I just brought up. South Carolina right now, they have a couple of assistants that I could see potentially moving on to the NFL if they so desire over the next couple of years. Sterling Lucas, the first name that comes to mind. Sterling Lucas has spent several years at the NFL level already, particularly with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Shane Beamer, I think, has actually publicly admitted a couple times over the past few months that Sterling Lucas has turned down opportunities to this point to go back to the NFL to stay in South Carolina. And obviously, that should be something that he touts, not just to prospects and recruits, but other assistant coaches that, you know, hey, we have guys that have had a chance to get out of this, you know, mess right now that is college football and go to the NFL where they could spend a lot more time just coaching ball but they've decided to stay here. So that's great for Shane Beamer. But obviously the question is, how much longer is that going to take place? How much longer is Sterling Lucas going to deny opportunities that come up at the next level? Especially with the Baltimore Ravens. They just lost their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, to the Seattle Seahawks, who just announced that he is their new head coach. So you know that... John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, he's looking at guys like Sterling Lucas, maybe trying to get them to come back to his organization, to that franchise, because he's familiar with his work. Torian Gray, he also has a little bit of experience coaching at the NFL level. And while he and Shane Beamer are close, dating back to their days at Virginia Tech, 
You never know. Torian Gray just might reach a breaking point personally and eventually just say, I can't take it anymore with everything I've got to do in terms of recruiting, trying to recruit guys that are currently on the roster. It's just too much for me. And he might decide to go back to the NFL. And then obviously, Joe DeCamillis. You know, this one's kind of an obvious one. I mean, you spend 30 years at the NFL level. Now you're going to come down to the college ranks for the first time in your entire coaching career. Joe DiCamillis might not have a full idea of just what all has happened with college football over the past 24 months or so. And sure, he's the special teams coordinator, so he does have to do everything that all these other assistant coaches have to do when it comes to maybe going on the road and trying to go after certain guys. But Joe DiCamillis, he could come down here for a year, and the special teams units do well, and he sits there and he says, this is just too much for me. I'm going back to the NFL. That could happen with South Carolina. And obviously, this happening, you know, you would, in a way, hope it happens because, again, it would say a lot about your program. And it would be, um, it would look great for Shane Beamer in terms of what he's trying to build here. At the same time, it will probably make things more difficult. There might be some more surprise departures from these coaches where there might be a guy that you, you know, think that you've gotten the fold for at least a couple more years and he just kind of dips and leaves and goes to the NFL. I probably shouldn't state it like that, but you get my point. It can put coaches in a bind. Boston College is now in a bind because they're having to look for a new head coach and it's February 2nd as of this show. That's going to be really tough for them. And now all their players have a whole month to go into the transfer portal. And guess what? Boston College, they can't really get anybody right now. So you see how this all is just getting messier and messier as time wears on. And South Carolina, again, this might not affect them now, but it definitely could affect them in the very near future. Now, speaking of messier, uh, South Carolina's women's basketball team, they play the Auburn Tigers on Thursday night over in Alabama. And that game definitely, uh, it, it was messy to say the least in the first half, offensively speaking. But with how that game took place and the kind of opponent that they played in the Auburn Tigers, I think South Carolina is going to be better prepared now for their Sunday matchup against the Ole Miss Rebels when they come to town. I'll explain my thoughts why I think that's the case in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl week to all of those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, it is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I know that for me growing up, one of my favorite things to eat for a big football game was my mom's buffalo chicken dip that she made in-house. That stuff always hit the spot, and you definitely were ready to take a nap probably by halftime or at some point in the third quarter, but... The Super Bowl, obviously, it's going to be an intriguing matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And they've got some interesting specialty bets over on FanDuel right now, including an anytime touchdown score. So basically, who do you think is going to score a touchdown at any point in this football game? Christian McCaffrey is on this list, obviously, and his odds are listed at minus 220. 
I think that that's an easy one to hit. McCaffrey, he's just an absolute machine for the 49ers offense with what he does in the running game and also the passing game as well. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for who will be the Super Bowl MVP, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And as always, I really appreciate each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. South Carolina, at least as far as the scoreboard is concerned, they did take care of business on Thursday night against the Auburn Tigers. I did feel like that this matchup was going to be a lot tougher than originally expected when it was about to take place. And it kind of played out that way, especially in the first half, as South Carolina struggled offensively against the Tigers in particular. But I think that with what all happened on Thursday night, Don Staley's team is now going to be better prepared for their matchup on Sunday with the Ole Miss Rebels right here in Columbia. Now, looking at what all happened on Thursday night, I think a big reason why South Carolina, they struggled offensively in the first half, was they allowed Auburn to kind of speed them up a little bit and thus get out of sync in the first half. South Carolina they can do a couple different things offensively. They can either play sort of their traditional brand of basketball, at least what we've all come to know, which is they're going to slow the ball up, they're going to run a set play, and they're going to try to feed the ball down to the low post. They also now can run the floor in transition. Raven Johnson obviously loves to push the pace as much as she can when she gets her opportunities. In SEC play, it has not happened quite as often because the competition has been a lot better. But South Carolina last night, they weren't really able to get out in transition quite as much. And for whatever reason, the first half, they did not really make it a point to get the ball to Camilla Cardoso and Ashlyn Watkins and Sanaya Fagan, even though, again, when you looked at this game on paper, it was a big mismatch between South Carolina's front court and Auburn's front court, a mismatch that favored the Gamecocks. And so for the Gamecocks in the first half, they took a lot of shots that were on the move, and so basically when Cardoso did get the ball, she was kind of moving towards the basket or towards the backboard, and she wasn't really able to just kind of catch and work her way towards the basket, and that, I think, kind of threw her off her rhythm a little bit, and she missed a lot more shots because of that. South Carolina also took eight three-point shot attempts in the first quarter, which is something that we do not usually see from this team. Now, Don Staley did say uh, not too long ago, I believe it was actually after the LSU game, that she does want to see this team get a bit more aggressive at taking three-point shots, which I think fans are okay with. But obviously, you know, if you're going to take eight three-point shot attempts in one quarter, you got to make a couple of them. And South Carolina had some open looks, but they just weren't able to convert. And so as the game wore on, and, you know, they also turned over the ball eight times in the first half. 
But as the game progressed, South Carolina, they started to do what they should have done from the very beginning, which was feed number 10 the ball in the low block and let her go to work. Cardoso scored nine points in the third quarter. She shot four of six from the floor. I'm going to go ahead and assume that all four of those shots that she made were layups. And she also hit two free throws in that same stretch. So she might have actually scored 10 points if I'm uh, calculating that correctly. Mylesha Fulwiley was also a big part of this game. She really found a comfort zone when it came to driving to the basket. And again, kind of like I mentioned earlier with Raven Johnson running in transition in SEC play, this has been something that Mylesha Fulwiley has had to kind of work through. Obviously, in non-conference play against teams like Mississippi Valley State, a Morgan State, she was able to kind of have her way when she wanted to in terms of just kind of picking her moment to just run straight to the basket. In SEC play, obviously, you're going up against overall probably better coaching staffs and for sure better players, bigger players, faster players, all together, so on and so forth. But Mylesia Fulwiley on Thursday night, she got a lot more opportunities than she usually does against Auburn. And what I liked is she took advantage of that. She got aggressive, especially in that third quarter. And Auburn, quite frankly, just did not have an answer for her. And so I think after her first couple of times blowing right past her defender at the top of the key and going straight to the basket and getting a bucket, she kind of was like, okay, this is going to be a team that I can take advantage of here in terms of my athleticism, my explosiveness, my overall quickness. And she definitely put that on display in that second half, in that third quarter that really helped South Carolina finally extend their lead and pretty much put the game out of reach for an Auburn team that, sure, is very good defensively. But offensively, I mean, it's just basically uh, Grayson Scott, I want to say was her name. And besides her, nobody else really did a lick of anything for Auburn on that end. So how is this going to better prepare South Carolina for Sunday's game against Ole Miss? Well, Ole Miss, they're kind of like Auburn. Now, they are not going to be relying on just one player offensively. They are a bit more well-rounded on that end. But Coach Yo with the Rebels, she wants her team to play really sound defensively. That is what they hang their hat on. And so she's actually kind of like Lamont Paris on the women's side in the SEC. Because if you watch Lamont Paris during the men's basketball games, when the Gamecocks are on defense, he'll sometimes kind of mimic what the players are doing. Like he'll get in his own stance. He'll start kick sliding one way or the other. Coach Joe does the same sort of thing with Ole Miss. It's actually really funny to watch during the game. But she takes it very seriously is my overall point here. And so Ole Miss, they're going to look to challenge South Carolina. They're going to look to get up in their grill, take away that airspace, and really try to pressure them on the offensive end. And they'll probably do a little bit of a better job than Auburn did last night because they've got a lot more time in Coach Yo's system than Auburn does, I believe, with Johnny Harris's system, their head coach. So... This game, although going into it, again, I was a bit concerned that this could turn into a kind of muck-it-up type game that South Carolina had to get out of the mud, basically, uh, which is how they refer to those kind of games when it's kind of those rock fights. It actually might have been a good thing for them that they did struggle some on Thursday night because now they've got some game film that they can watch. They know Ole Miss is going to play in the exact same way on Sunday, especially when the Rebels are on defense. So... They've now got something to look at in order to get them more ready for their next matchup on Sunday. 
Now, we're going to stick with basketball to end today's show. We're going to talk about Lamont Paris and the men's basketball team now as they get ready for a rare revenge game here as they'll be traveling to Athens on Saturday afternoon to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. And while South Carolina's got to play better overall compared to how they played against the Bulldogs a couple weeks ago, I think there's one particular thing that they have got to accomplish on Saturday if they want to indeed get some payback against Mike White and the Bulldogs. I'll say what that one thing is in just a few moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. Let's talk about South Carolina's matchup that's taking place tomorrow afternoon against the Georgia Bulldogs. We all recall what happened in Columbia a couple weeks ago. South Carolina was in a tight one with Georgia. Georgia did wind up winning the game, I believe, 74-69. to A lot of things went wrong in that game for South Carolina. And that's not to take anything away from Georgia regarding what all they did on that night. But South Carolina... They missed a ton of threes, they missed a ton of free throws, and Georgia, if I recall correctly, did also get them on the glass as well, which hasn't happened a whole lot since that game took place. But of all the things that South Carolina needs to do on Saturday in order to get some payback against Georgia, there's one goal, in my opinion, that they've got to accomplish in this game, and that is this. Don't allow Georgia guards Silas Demary Jr. and Justin Hill to drive to the basket. Looking back at their previous matchup, these two guys killed South Carolina when it came to them trying to get to the basket. Again, talked about this before South Carolina's last matchup against Georgia. Georgia is a team offensively that I don't want to make it out like they don't have a whole lot of strategy behind their offense, but Georgia said they're essentially a team. They want to drive to the basket and they're going to try to draw fouls. That is what Georgia's going to do. They're going to lean on their front court to get offensive boards if they don't convert the first time. And that's pretty much what they're going to do throughout the majority of the game. And South Carolina, they had done a pretty good job overall when they were playing Georgia in Columbia a couple weeks back. But we all remember The Gamecocks went up nine points at some point in the second half, and then they just went ice cold, and Georgia just started pretty much having their way in terms of getting to the foul line. But these two guys in particular, Silas and Justin, they killed South Carolina in that aspect. If I recall correctly, Demary, he pretty much got South Carolina via drives from the corner going to the baseline. And then Justin Hill... It was kind of infuriating to watch from a South Carolina standpoint. I'm sure it was for Lamont Paris and his staff because Justin Hill, he might be a really solid player and I'm not giving him enough credit. But in my opinion, he basically, as Charles Barkley would say sometimes on Inside the NBA on TNT, he was just basically dribble, 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 drive to the basket. That that was pretty much what happened. And Jacoby Wright, who was the primary defender on Hill in the final few minutes of that game, he struggled to stay in front of him. That's not to pick on Jacoby Wright. Again, Lamont Paris said after that game that there are multiple defensive rules that the team broke, basically, in that matchup. And I think that's why that loss was so disheartening for him looking back. So, for South Carolina in this game, 
You've already faced this team once before. You pretty much know how they're going to try to attack you. Defensively, there's no excuse to find yourself in the same situation that you found yourselves in the last time you played these guys. Offensively, listen, we do have to respect the fact that this is a road game for South Carolina. Because this is a road game, that means that they're not going to be quite as familiar with the arena. Now, Michi Johnson has played, and I believe it's Stegman Coliseum. He's played there before. Jacoby Wright has experience in that arena. Zachary Davis, I believe, has experience in there. So these guys, it's not like they're going to go into an unfamiliar environment, kind of like they did with Coleman Coliseum, where they played Alabama earlier in the season. But obviously, this is a game that South Carolina, in my opinion, they got to get this game back. And they, once again, can have the chip on their shoulder where, you know, hey, Georgia beat us last time. We kind of feel like maybe that that was probably because of the mistakes we made. And so we got to get them back. And we got to show that that was a one-off game for us. South Carolina is going to be out to prove something. And you know what Georgia's going to try to do offensively. They're going to try to attack you. They're going to try to go downhill with their guards. They're going to try to get to the foul line. So you need to do a better job of closing off driving lanes in this game. Do not let them get to the basket as much as they did against you the last time. If you do that, if you can make them have to force feed their big men the ball on the low block, I think South Carolina stands a much better shot in this game if they can make them do that. Kyle Murray Bowles has been phenomenal defensively since he has joined the starting lineup. Josh Gray has done a lot better recently. You could probably afford to put him in there a good amount against their seven-foot big man, I believe number 54. That's his jersey number, at least. And B.J. Mack, again, I don't think he shot well from three this past time they played Georgia, but granted, really no one shot well from three, if I recall correctly. So, got to do multiple things in this game to walk out of there with a win, But you have got to stop Silas, DeMary Jr., and Justin Hill when it comes to dribble penetration. If you can do that, I like South Carolina's chances to go into Athens and get some revenge over the Georgia Bulldogs. With that being said, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are y'all's thoughts on the Jeff Halfley situation up at Boston College and How do you think that could affect South Carolina at some point down the road? What are your thoughts on the women's basketball team and how their game against Auburn might better prepare them for their matchup against Ole Miss on Sunday? And lastly, what do you think South Carolina's men's basketball team needs to do in order to defeat Georgia on Saturday? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or you can shoot me a direct message on X at a line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. As always, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. And I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.